Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grombacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Michelle Tinsley. Michelle, are you ready to do this? I'm ready. Excellent. Let's do this. Michelle is the CEO of Remitter, a mobile communication and payments technology c- company. She spent 26 years at Intel. She sits on the board of a $9 billion public company, and she is a leader in the digital retail transformation space. I'm excited to have you on. Michelle, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Sure. So on the personal front, I'm happily married with two kids, uh, boys that are 12 and 6. So they certainly keep us active. We live in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, On the work front, I became the CEO of Remitter in December of last year. And what we're doing is trying to enable the payment of overdue bills in a frictionless way that's completely designed for the current way uh, consumers use their phones. And by doing this, we're both helping the consumer pay less fees and less interest, but also for the merchants or the banks, enable them to get paid sooner. Uh, So it's kind of a win-win, and we love that we're kind of reducing the friction out of this whole situation. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's good for both the consumer and the uh, actual organization itself. So I, I like it. Well, in anticipation of our conversation, I, I was thinking back. Uh, I'm 40 today, and I think I started working jobs when I was 14. And it feels like back then it was you actually got a paper check, and then you took it to the bank, and they'd give you cash. It was the time before debit cards and before cell phones um, and then fast forward it's been whatever 14 or 16 years and the entire world seems to be completely different so I know that uh, you've been working tightly or closely in the space for uh, I think for for some time so I just wanted to get your take on on the the speed of change and and, and all that absolutely so smartphones you know arrived on the scene over 10 years ago and what's happened is they've really up-leveled the expectations that consumers have of any company that they're interacting with. Uh, because we have this powerful, you know, what used to be a supercomputer in our pockets, um, people want instant access, instant ability to take action. Um, they expect it to be secure, but they also expect it to be intuitive. Um, and I think they're bringing a lot of these expectations to say like the banking ecosystem. And you look at that and that's, a, that's an institutional you know, group that's been in business for 150 years, and they're now trying to flex and and um, update what they do and how they interact with consumers so that they can meet those new digital expectations. So secure and intuitive. I I, I think I I think I understand secure. What what do you mean when you say intuitive? Well, you know, we look at this and say uh, people want to be able to cruise around and, and take action without needing an instruction manual or to take a training course. Okay. It used to be when you'd get a new application for your PC, you'd have to go through kind of a training or a webinar or, you know, a guided, you know, way to start. You know, I was thinking when I was learning how to use Excel and I, I spent basically a whole week going through books on how to do my first spreadsheets and graphs and all that kind of stuff. Um, with the mobile phone, people just want to be able to look at it and kind of know if I want to take action, for instance, pay my bill or set up my own payment plan, they want to just be guided through it and have it be natural and not have to have somebody coach them physically through it. Got it. I think that, that certainly makes sense. And 
there are a lot of people who are and a lot of companies and organizations trying to make that as sort of seamless as possible. I'm just thinking about how when you go to a certain website, it says, do you want to log in by using Facebook or log in by using Google? So I think that that's always an interesting thing. What are your thoughts on, 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 on that? Should I be worried about my privacy being sort of borrowed? Yeah, I think that the challenge there is on one hand, it's easy because it keeps you from having to remember so many uh, logging credentials, password and username, et cetera. The, the challenge is if that one, say Facebook or Google login does get cam- compromised, mm. you've now got potentially 20, 30 different locations where the person could go with those credentials. Um, so again, it, much like thinking in, in the mind of a you know, security analyst, you'd say let's limit the exposure. Um, let's keep things compartmentalized. I kind of use the term of like a honeycomb um, where you kind of limit things to different cells. And, and that's kind of why every app wants you to have a specific login. Um, what we're doing with our platform is basically saying don't have an app um, because the reality is a lot of consumers don't download their bank's app. Uh, they don't have it on their phone. And so you may send me a text to remind me that my bill is late, but the reminder by itself does nothing. <laughs> that means I have to remember tonight when I go home and it's you know dinner and homework time that I got to sit in front of the computer and log in and, and make a bill payment. Um, that, that may be six, eight hours from now. I may have 15 meetings in between now and then, and I'll totally forget it. Uh, what our platform does is it has a link in the SMS text that allows them to write down there, take that to a secure portal and pay. So you just got it done in 30 seconds and uh, you don't have to remember later in the day to, to go back and do all that. Got it. Okay. That's an interesting thing that it maybe seems like a really, really easy and, and valuable thing to have an app on your phone, but that's maybe not the best thing necessarily from a safety perspective. Yeah. And again, a lot of folks will say, well, I have the banks app on my phone, but shoot, what's that password again? Yeah. What, what's the uh, login ID? Because I share the login with my spouse. Um, so yeah, it starts introducing points of friction and as a result, uh, we get less, less uptake from people actually following through. Got it. Okay. So from a, um, hmm, what, what are some of the biggest challenges that I, I guess that banks and uh, companies are, are facing as technology continues to advance? Um, imagine obviously the security has got to be a huge piece of it. But then also just the security of actually, is it my actual money or is it is it credit? I don't know if I'm asking the right question there. And then what about what about crypto assets and the blockchain as well? Yeah, so I think in general, banks are really having to make tough calls on their IT and their R&D budget, so to speak. Um, because there's so many points of experience they could try to redesign with the consumer. Um, like we said earlier, consumers have changed, you know, and, and up-leveled and expect more out of their interactions with the banks. Uh, they're trying to present an omni-channel kind of uh, pervasive look and feel that matches their brand, whether it be you walking into a branch, you interfacing with an ATM, you interfacing on a mobile app or a mobile device, with, you know, via SMS even. Um, so they look at that and say, you know, how do we make sure all this ties together? And there's, you know, 20, 50, 100 things long in terms of the list of what they could be doing. Um, so, and obviously they do not have unlimited IT budgets, nor do they have unlimited IT staff. 
Um, so what we look at and say, I think a lot of this industry is going to start going to selectively outsourcing from a bank perspective the functions that aren't you know, core to their wheelhouse, core to their brand. Um, so the question we usually ask them is how, how core is collections you know, to your secret sauce you know, of running the bank or do you want to just you know, put it onto a platform like this and outsource that? Now, on the crypto front, you know, what you're getting into is there's a Christmas tree effect or a, a very lots of variety these days of how people may tender uh, a bill. You know, some people want to use PayPal, some people want to use Venmo, some want to use debit, some want to use credit, ACH, you know, linking up my bank account. Um, and now in the future, we'll have crypto wallets as well. So you think about it again as a bank and they go, okay, we want to be open to never missing out on a transaction and again, be viewed as uh, forward thinking and tech savvy with our customer base. But on the flip side, we also want to make sure that these are legitimate sources um, to take a tender. And if they're going to take crypto, do they take any crypto or one crypto in particular? <laughs> so there's again a lot of decisioning to be made on the, on the bank's front. Now, cryptocurrency in and of itself should be more secure um, because think of this as um, kind of a, a third ledger or a third rail uh, that will allow all transactions to kind of be audited um, and visible. Um, and selectively, some of the data fields can even be visible you know, outside the bank and consumer relationship. Uh, but the real thing with crypto is that it, it is, you know, irreversible. Once it happens, it's done. You know, there's no pulling that back. <laughs> so right. I think a lot of banks are working on how do we figure out, you know, both to enable this, but also make sure that we've taken the right precautions. Um, so let's say they move money out of your account, make sure that that was really legit because they cannot reverse it like they can a Visa charge or a, you know, debit charge. Um, so those are kind of things that they're grappling with and looking at. How do we make sure that this is really going to work for the consumer and the bank? The future of money and then the future of how we actually use the money to transact things. It's a, it's a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. Our, our, and, of course, there's a lot of regulation around this as well. And those, I think, you know, regulators are another camp of people that are trying to catch up, step up, you know, say, how do we stay on top of this? Because, again, they they want to enable innovation. Uh, we all know that technology and innovation is what drives economies. On the other hand, they don't want to be such at the forefront that they're allowing, you know, shady things to happen. Um, and, you know, there's a tension that they want to protect the consumer, you know, from some of this new stuff that's happening. So we've seen both the CFPB and, for instance, the state of Arizona set up sandboxes where you can start innovating um, and do so in parallel with regulators so that we're, we're looking at building the future but doing so in a way that meets all the stakeholders' needs. What, what went through my head there was how in the world could, uh, 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 we'll use your example of Arizona, how in the world could Arizona's reg reg regulators possibly keep up with everything that's changing so this idea of a sandbox tell me tell me a little more about that well what it is is it's kind of a uh, called a lab or a way to physically go, get together on a regular basis with some of the regulators and meet with them for us as a company to share here's what our product is here's what it's doing um, and for their perspective, look at it, and, and, you know, from the lens of a regulator and say, okay, here's potential harm or here's things that we want to steer clear of. Um, here's things that we want to make sure are done right um, so that it's not just frictionless for the consumer, but the consumer is protected in making sure that they're not, you know, again, uh, going to get have, you know, fraud or security implications by using this type of platform. 
Um, one thing that we have discovered with our product is there, you know, we act like one country, the United States. But the reality is with a product like this, we're dealing with regulations on how to collect from a consumer in 50 different states. There, there are some states that want us to send ahead a Miranda um, that says, hey, we're going to communicate with you about a delinquency. Here comes a text you know, that's going to hmm. tell you your rights of, uh, of what you can expect as a consumer. Um, conversely, some states say, no, nah, you don't need that. It's a, it's a relationship between you and the lender. You already signed off on creating a loan or a credit card with this company. You know, they shouldn't have to you know, beg you to be able to communicate with you <laughs> because as a consumer, right. you want to, you want to know, you want to be in the know if there's something wrong with your account and you want to remediate it quickly versus uh, having it go 30 days and pay more interest. Um, so there's this fine balance to strike. And um, it, it, for me, it's been eye opening on how different every state is. And, you know, at some point that does slow down the, the pace of progress uh, in terms of looking at how we compete on a world stage with company, countries like China or the European Union, where they, they act more holistically in kind of one, one set of regulations and rules. Yeah, I think that's very interesting. Lots of unique challenges, certainly. So how does, how does a bank go about getting their arms around all these different sources and then making decisions and do they say we're only going to we're 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 going to cap this at a certain number of 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 different vendors for 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 lack of a better term or different methods for receiving payment? Maybe that's too big of a question or not 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 a good question at all. No, I think what banks are doing is they're they're basically saying, okay, what can we get done this year with our existing you know staffing and budgets and figure out. What, what do we want to commit to in terms of redesigning that customer experience? It may be only three or four things that they want to do well. And by default, then that means that the other things that were on the list kind of get parked, you know, for a year. Because we'd rather do a few well than to try to spread yourself too thin or not resource them correctly. Obviously, as there are companies like uh, Remitter that come in, we have an opportunity to lighten the load for them, so to speak. Rather than having to write all this code, create you know, the portals and the, and the merchant facing reporting, et cetera, all yourself, you can tap into something that's already made. Now, obviously that turns this into a light lift and they can maybe squeeze in doing this and, you know, something else. Um, so I think we're going to see more of this as, as um, there's been a push coming out of Europe that the U.S. is catching on to do what they call API-based banking. And what that means is opening up these application programming interfaces where now you can, you know, uh, I think of the old days of a telephone operator where, you know, someone's plugging in up high down here and down low over here and we're connecting two disparate systems um, with some smart APIs. And as a result, we can get a whole lot of features and functionality turned on quickly um, versus everybody having to kind of write their own software, validate it and stand it up themselves. Got it. Okay. So, you mentioned at the top that oftentimes consumers are paying less fees. What are, what are some of the the benefits or other benefits to consumers of all these new technologies? Well, I think there's a greater transparency. You know, so the ability it used to be when you know back my back in the day, I opened my bank account and if I was curious where my bank balance was, I'd have to go to an ATM and get mm. like a statement, you know, little, here's your ending balance. And right. you wouldn't get much around it of, well, does that include this check I wrote or not? <laughs> you know, 
And and then obviously we all got better visibility with things like online banking and syncing your PC with your bank and, and being able to see the real time during a month transactions and not having to wait for the statement at the end of the month. Um, well, I think with this new era, it's again, people want to see things on their mobile phone. It, with, within a day, you know, being able to check the balance, maybe I'm on a shopping spree, <laughs> making sure that sure. I'm not getting myself into a situation where I'm making the wrong choices. So, uh, you know, I think that giving people the transparency to the data, the balances, the transactions that have been going on, that will help the consumer make better financial choices. Got it. Fascinating times. That's a, uh, wow. It's a lot for, uh, for anybody to sort of wrap their arms around. So I, I, I appreciate you breaking that all down. Well, Michelle, sure. Savage Nation is ready for your difference making tip. What do you have for them? I'd say, you know, 46% of Americans are late on paying at least one bill every month. And so I think with platforms like what we're doing with Remitter, um, they will see a difference in that their banks are trying to reach out to them sooner, earlier, and in a frictionless way to get them to pay quickly so that you're not adding up a bunch of fees and interest. And, and to me, that'll make a difference because nobody wants to spend their hard-earned salary on things like interest. Well, I think that is great stuff. That definitely gets a come on. Come on! There's no doubt. I, I, I don't think that, that people are interested in paying overcharges or interest or, or whatever that might be, particularly if it's just a matter of, you know, perhaps we forgot or you know, whatever it might be. So I think that that's great. Yeah, I say life, life gets in the way. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you and where can they learn more about Remitter? Sure. So I do have a Twitter handle. It's at Tinsley Retail. And Remitter, we have a website, which is www.remitter.com. Excellent. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Michelle your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Follow her on Twitter at Tinsley Retail and check out Remitter, and I'll list both of those in the notes of the show as well. Thank you again, Michelle. Thank you. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on!